Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Access more. It's about time because we're going there. Why, hello there, we're going there, podcast listeners. I am your host, Bianca Wattis-Oltoff, and today we are picket, 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 remix. We are mixing it up today. Yes, the tables have flipped, the tables have turned, and I'm talking about a part of my life in an interview that I rarely talk about publicly. What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about step parenting. The truth of the matter is, is that one in two children will see their parents get divorced. And rarely do we have insight to what the dynamic is if the parent decides to get remarried. Now, the truth is, if you don't have a step family, you know someone who's part of a step family. We don't really talk about step parenting often, and when we do, it's very clinical. Today, I want to flip it, and I want to make it personal. Out of respect for my kids and their bio mom, I've never spoken about the reality of parenting and being a stepmom. But over the last decade, as time has passed, the kids and I have been very honest about what has worked in our relationship and what hasn't worked in our relationship. In fact, before I post anything about them on social media or even online, I always ask their permission. In fact, before saying yes to this interview with Peter and Heather Stowe from No Greater Joy Podcast, I reached out to them and I asked them if they thought that it would be okay if I did. Again, this interview is with good friends Peter and Heather Stowe, and they have an amazing parenting and family podcast called No Greater Joy. If you want more about their show, there's a link in the show notes. As we dive into this podcast, my goal is to shed light and ultimately give hope and understanding about the step parenting journey from a different angle. Well, Bianca, thank you for joining us and talking about a subject that is difficult. Uh, it, blended family. Oh, oh, my goodness. It's one of those that um, I think, personally, as a pastor, I'll say, from me, the church doesn't talk about enough. Yeah. And I don't think that we hear about it enough in any kind of resources for families and parenting. And we listened to a, an amazing episode on your podcast uh, episode 13, actually, I would highly recommend that you guys all go and check it out. Episode 13, Bianca does an amazing episode with her son, Parker, and just talks about this relationship, blended yeah. family. But I know there's a cool name that you like to go by instead of like stepmom or something else. What is that name? Okay, so the connotation to stepmom just feels like Disney, you know, totally. stepmom <laughs> that's wicked. Yeah. And so I like to go to SMOM, which mm. is stepmom or smother, because I do like to give inordinate <laughs> amounts of hugs, even though Parker is now almost 19 and wow. he's always like, get away from me. And I'm like, no, absolutely. So I'm a smother and a smom, very proud. And I have been married for 12 years, but I've been in the kids' life since they were three and five. Wow. And now Parker and Ryan are almost 17 and almost 19. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I, I think that's the other caveat of this uh, conversation is that you're raising teenagers and Ooh. adults Ooh. now. We are not there yet. And no, so no. we are learning from you today. Mm -hmm. So you've been in their life for an extended period of time. Tell us about kind of when you and Matt started to enter into a relationship, what did the formation of that relationship, including kids, and then this idea of blended family, what did that look like 
for you as the SMOM on the outside. Yeah, so it's it's funny because um, when you speak to somebody who has gone through cancer, there's nomenclature that cancer patients and survivors have. Well, when you go through or are part of a blended family, there's just nomenclature. And then you could easily kind of categorize where people mm-hmm. fall. So uh, Matt and I are a little bit different because most blended families come with a his and hers, mm-hmm. you know, both previously married and both come with kids. Our, our relationship was really different. So he was previously married. And uh, I like to tell him that I am his 2.0 version. I'm the Joel 225 of his life, honey. <laughs> the years that the locust has eaten, the Lord restored through moi. Let's go. And, uh, I, I, and, and our stories were just so different. So he'd been previously married. He had two kids. And I, I hadn't dated for a number of years. I... I was a virgin when we got married. I did not have any kids. Like So our story was just really different. Uh, but... In that, I think there's been a lot of beautiful things that I've been able to speak to other step-parents about. And it's a topic that I never heard ever growing up in church. And then when I started dating someone who had kids and we spoke about what a blended family would look like, no one in the church really spoke honestly about it. And so I was left to get external resources that were all very negative. And then Mm. I was left to think like, gosh, is this what I want? And so um, I like to talk about it because I had such a rocky start that I don't want, if anyone could avoid some of the mishaps and pitfalls and potholes that we encountered, I'd love to have a conversation, even just to shed light. I don't ha- may not have all the answers, but yeah. I'd love to share a little light like, hey, we've walked the path before you. We've paved ways ways so that you can walk on them. So I love the topic. Thank you for bringing me on. Thank you for trusting me with this conversation. Okay, so I got to ask, coming into a blended family, you kind of, you had mentioned that it wasn't quite what maybe you had thought about, dreamed about. What was like, were there any fears involved in like, oh gosh, I'm stepping into this. Was there, or maybe not fears, maybe complications, maybe things that you didn't foresee. All of the above, (laughs) all of the above, girl. So let me give a little bit of context. And then if there's a layer that we can pull that would would open up a new door that we can go down, let's do that. But a little bit of context, I... I was living in Los Angeles. My now husband, then boyfriend was living in Orange County. I knew that he had kids and uh, we wisely decided that I wasn't going to meet the kids until we were very serious in our relationship. So I met the kids probably about three months into our relationship. Mm. And it was great because I lived in Los Angeles and he lived in Orange County. We only saw each other about once if we were lucky twice a week. And he has 50% custody, which is very rare in the state of California, but he has 50% Mm -hmm. custody of the kids. So if I was going out there once a week and he only had them two out of the four times that I got to go out there, I was kind of like the fun auntie. You know, (laughs) I got to come in and we got to play games and we played Candyland and we went to Chuck E. Cheese. I mean, we did all these fun things. And so I was associated with fun, which is my personality as well. So it felt like a very authentic, natural fit. Yeah. At the same time, I wasn't there for discipline. I wasn't there for necessarily big cleanups. I wasn't there for routine and patterns. I was the one that came in and just sprinkled fun dust everywhere and then got to leave. So when we moved forward in a relationship and we got married, it was literally, Matt felt very adamant about the kids being at the wedding. And I kind of had like no really thoughts or feelings about it. And um, now being married, um, you know, almost a decade later, I understand why it was such a big value, but the kids were very, very young. And so- It was babysitting and wedding planning and doing a wedding all at the same time. His parents took the kids to their biological mom um, the day after our wedding and we flew on our honeymoon. We flew back from our honeymoon and we immediately picked up the kids. So I had no, there was no, 
gestation period. So if you're pregnant, you have nine to 10 months to prepare emotionally, spiritually, physically for the birth of this child that you're responsible for. I said, I do. And I walked immediately into parenting. Wow. And um, Matt and I had lots of conversations about what parenting would look like. We we can go down that road if we want to. But for me, it was a massive culture shock. Wow. Massive culture shock. I went, you know, from a a life of complete autonomy and I could spend money on designer clothes and go out to uh, (laughs) movies that had food that's brought to you in the movies and have adult lounges and can stay out until any time to then moving into a family an ecosystem, a pre-existing ecosystem with chicken fingers and baby carrots and bedtimes and bath times and potty training. And I was like, what on earth is going on? So that's, that's the big picture of what life looked like as, you know, stepping into step parenting. But prior to that, Matt, we had had very honest conversations and Matt's like, I'm not looking for someone that's marrying me. I'm looking for someone that is willing to build a family with my Mm. pre-existing family. And so um, I'm a learner by nature. I I love to read. And so I started to look for books and there were not a lot of books on step parenting. There was a lot on, well, actually there was more books on blended families, but there really wasn't a whole lot of books specifically for entering into a pre-existing unit. Mm. So I already just felt like the percentage was low and then percentage got really low. So then I read this kind of like generic book on step parenting and Literally, I remember laying on Matt's couch. I was visiting him. It was a Saturday and he was in the kitchen making something and I'm reading this book and I just started crying. I was like, is this step parenting? Because it was so abysmal. It was so dismal. I mean, it was so sad that I remember chucking the book across the room and I was like, this is horrible. I don't want to be a step parent. And we had some honest conversations and then um, there was actually, I think the book was sold out or out of print or something, but there was this one book. I'll I'll send it to you yeah. and then you guys could add it to the show, notes, the show notes. But yeah. I think it was called like the single sassy girls survival guide to step parenting. <laughs> it was like it, it was it's literally for you, like a title for me, for right? <laughs> and and it was right. I know I had like poor Bianca. The dedication was to me or something. And um, but but it was sold out everywhere and I was so, so bummed. And the day that Matt proposed to me, I'll get a little love for my thought. Think about it. The day oh. that I proposed to me, he found the out of print book and he gave it to me as we were at the J Paul Getty museum earlier before he proposed to me. So it was all those like small little details to make sure I was prepared for what I was stepping into all that to say, it was all very dark. It was all very heavy and there wasn't a whole lot of resources. And so I was kind of nervous about stepping into step parenting. So I decided, let me talk to some people from church. I was part of my dad's church at the time. And I knew that there were some people that had blended families or step families. And I will never forget Uh, I won't say her name, but uh, a woman that I loved and super involved in church and still hold in the highest regard. They're still members of my dad's church. I love them, love them. I would look at their marriage. I would look at their family and say, that's amazing. And she's so positive, so faithful, so life-giving. And I went to her and I said, hey, I'm dating a guy and he has two kids. What advice do you have for me? And she looked at me with a big smile on her face. She said, don't do it. (laughs) Wow. No. You guys, I literally said, don't marry him. Like, don't, she said, don't do it. Wow. And I, and I, I, I like didn't know what to say. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Thank you. She's like, I'm telling you this because you're going to have moments where you look back and you say, why did I do this? Wow. And you need to know that someone told you don't do it so that when you make the decision, it was you that made the decision. Y'all, that was the best flipping advice that she could have ever given me. Holy cow. Because there were moments where I did 
question, sure. why the sure. heck did I do this? <laughs> I made the decision. Yep. I made the decision. I made the choice. I knew what I was stepping into. I walked in eyes wide open. I didn't know what parenting would look like. I didn't know what step parenting would look like, but you guys, you have to, for those that are out there that are kind of like on the verge or, you know, and this is what I'm getting a lot. Like, oh, Bianca, I, you know, I saw that you married a guy that was previously married and had kids. It's such an inspiration for me. I'm now dating this guy. And now I give them the same advice that she gave me. Mm. Don't do it. Wow. Not because it's dismal, not because I want to be foreboding, mm. but we have to understand that if we say yes, we're saying yes, not just to him. We're not just saying yes to her. We're saying yes to their family. Mm, so and good. so it, I, I think that was like a game changer. There wasn't a lot of resources. I had to create my own resources. And then I had to decide, is this for me? Wow. I love the fact that you like went and found somebody who was doing it well. Because that's kind of a life model for me is like, Mm -hmm. just go find the person who's killing it and then just learn and glean from everything they're doing. I feel like that was a uh, just a bomb moment right there. You just dropped the bomb. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's going to be a revelation for a lot of listeners. And, and I think it just—I just a small little caveat. I didn't end with just asking that one woman once. So after we had that very honest conversation, I hit her up a couple other times. But then there was someone roughly around my age that attended uh, my church, and she, like me, didn't have kids going into the relationship. She was not previously married, and so I kind of like latched onto her. And the good thing was is that she became a really good friend and. Matt, my husband, became friends with her husband. So we would actually double date and they would say things. Y'all, they would say things. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, well, that's just for you. Like you guys struggled (laughs) with that. That's not going to be for us. Y'all, it was like, they were like prophets telling us of what is to come, you know? And so I think getting wisdom, not just from books, but getting practical wisdom from people, other people from different situations and different life stages is really important to a thriving relationship when it comes to step parenting. Because marriage is one thing and parenting is one thing. And those two individually are very complicated. Now add the step component. And it's a Molotov cocktail. So, yep. so there's some some basic statistics out there. You know, most marriages here in the United States are um, the divorce rate is at 52%. Yeah. And it's not different within Christianity. It's right. the divorce rate within Christians is 51%. Now, the remarriage rate is uh, a very high percentage, which is good news for people who are divorced. It's roughly around 62% will get remarried. But the divorce rate jumps up from marriage 2.0 to 83%. Yeah. Why? Because it's not just marriage yeah. and it's not just, you know, living together. It's also kids and it's also the step component. So yeah. these conversations are wildly important. And I'm grateful that you guys are kind of opening up Pandora's box to have these conversations. <laughs> wow. I love it. We, we like to say that, you know, this episode is one of many, right? Because it's oh, like, yes. we're just scratching the surface, but I'm with you. Let's talk about it. Let's be about it. Because I'm seeing, we're seeing on the mm-hmm. weekends, we're seeing a lot of blended families come to the church. And yeah, I, yeah. I think it's beautiful because uh, God can restore and redeem um, these relationships. And and I've seen these relationships restored to where, you know, both sets of families are like best friends in the end. I mean, mm. something that seems not even possible, right? And to raise their kids together. And so, you know, I, I definitely want to learn from those. But to give hope to those people who are just starting the journey or like you were mm. considering the journey and to get a little hope. Okay. 
Friends, I'm interrupting this podcast because if you know me, I love a good smelling house. Not only do I love a good smelling house, I love when things also help the environment. They're on a mission to help eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option without giving up beautiful, high-quality fragrance. The candle industry has major problems. Almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year, and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years. Yes, you heard me right. 1 million. Nose has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel again and again and again so you don't have to become part of the problem. It's so easy to use, friends. The candles are made with fragrance wax beads. All you have to do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar, fill it up with the wax beads, enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours, and then all you have to do is do the exact same thing over again. Yes, I've been loving burning the Santal and Atlas cedar scents. They're some of my favorites. It's calming and woodsy and luxurious. I'm obsessed. I love it. There's a bunch of other fragrances, and I'm sure that you will find one that fits your fancy. You can build your custom starter kit right now. Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy Notes starter kit using the code going there. Yep, just use the code going there when placing your order. That's going there at notescandle.com backslash going there. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Now, you mentioned a little bit about discipline. We just touched it briefly. Yes. That's one of those where it can easily turn into it's my kids versus oh, yeah. it's our kids, right? Yeah. That that delineation mm-hmm. and knowing that the kids are going between homes, mm-hmm. what did you guys do to tackle the topic of you know, that 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 thing of like having to set boundaries and having to work with the kids and brother, this is a whole other podcast for another day because <laughs> listen, listen, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an overview yeah. and it's still even complicated, even yeah, with sure. having one adult child and one, you know, on their way. Yeah. This is what I will say. In addition to us being a, you know, a step family, in addition to Matt, this is Matt's second marriage and me walking into kids, we are also different ethnicities. So we come with different cultural backgrounds and different understandings (laughs) of what discipline and respect look like. So within Latino culture, respect and discipline is a high priority in the household. He is, you know, Midwest of German descent, you know, and so it feels almost kind of like everything's discussed. Mm. And I'm just like... (laughs) Oh, you giving a three-year-old an opinion? Oh, my God. So so we did have conversations about parenting. Because, I mean, I did see his parenting style when we were dating. Sure. And he encouraged me, like, you know, in the art of parenting, I want you to feel like you're empowered to make decisions and all this other stuff. But we need to come on a place where we both land when it comes to disciplining the kids. Because because it's, you know, a divorce household, he felt adamantly on no spankings um, for a couple reasons. Here in California, everyone's a raging liberal and like this whole like, I don't what do they call it? Corporal punishment. Listen, yeah. I was raised. We got, we didn't get spanked, honey. We got beat. Yeah. We got chocolates. <laughs> we got hangers. We got brushes. We got belts. Like, I mean, whatever. But I'm I'm a better person because of it. Okay. Oh, yeah. I like to say I was so rotten. My mama spanked Satan out of me. Okay. Oh. So that's, that's just my cultural context, right? 
Well, the corporal punishment side was like a deal with Matt, but then also like if something happened where the kids maybe got injured or something happened where there was a bruise, he just didn't want to complicate custody with the kids. So he landed on no spankings, which that's fine. Um, I remember the first time that I disciplined Ryan, she was four years old at the time and there was something going on. And at the time we were living in a two bedroom apartment and the door, we were on the second floor, the door was open and Matt and Parker were running up and down. He was five, like he was six and you know, Matt, I don't know what they were doing. Well, she was going to go out there with no shoes on. And I said, you can't go outside, Ryan. And she did one of these like, <laughs> and like stomped the, her foot. Oh, heck no. <laughs> Listen, thank you. That's all I got to say, honey. And, and okay, if now let me let me tell you how Matt would respond. Oh, Ryan, is that the best way to behave? Well, let me tell you, he wasn't in the house. So guess who was the parent? I did not spank her. I didn't take my shoe off. I didn't threaten her. I simply, I was so proud of myself. I simply picked her up and put her in the room. I got down on my knees. So I wasn't this authoritative figure. And I just said, Ryan, this is not how you respond. And she said, huh. I said, okay, great. So you can stay here until you can change your attitude. Let me tell you something. This child started <laughs> weeping as if I killed her cat. Okay. Oh, I mean, so by the time Parker and Matt come in, Matt looks at me like, what did you do to her? I said, I didn't even touch her. I said, she couldn't stomp her foot and give me attitude. And then, so he, so he went in there and tried to reason with her. And I said, she can come out of the room when she apologizes. She wept and wept. And I could see it's killing that. It is killing that. And yeah. I said, listen, I'm a Latina mommy. You messed with the wrong chick. <laughs> First of all, all parents give a lot more grace to their kids than most strangers will because they have this like birth bond to them. And they think they're extraordinarily cute. And I'm like, I didn't birth mm -hmm. you. You ain't cute. I'm going to make you a right person. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh -huh. So finally, when she calmed down, she came out, she apologized. And I told him, I said, this is how we need to parent the kids. Mm. I will meet you halfway. You've got to meet me halfway. Oh, yeah. And so it has been this delicate dance between cultural backgrounds, between preferences, and even still to this day, Parker is 18 years old. Next month, he's going to be 19. He's back from college. He's staying here at the house. I love the house with Parker. Now, we have to talk about the teen years because that's another podcast. Brother, we're already 30 <laughs> oh, minutes into this. We have so many podcasts. This is a series. This is a 30-part series. Let's yes. go. Okay. <laughs> we can talk about that another day. But for right now, our current relationship with our adult son is so much fun. I love that he's here. I love cooking him Prince Parker protein pancakes. Oh. He plays football. He is 260 pounds and he's 6'4". And I love him. I love him. We have so much fun. The smother comes out. The smother comes out. <sighs> the smother comes out. But yet, even now, Matt and I still differ on, you know, discipline. Uh, we we are meeting each other halfway all the time. And I I would like to say... Not to pat myself on the back, but I would like to say that the kids are better because of the discipline coupled with the love yes. that I was able to, you know, provide. And again, cultural yeah. context, <laughs> you know, his family, they're great. They're amazing, but they are not affectionate. They just yeah. don't come from that cloth. Mm. So as hard and strict as I am on the kids, I am equally overly affectionate with so them. Good. So I like to say, yes, I will get in your face. And yes, I'm, I'm the hard nose. People think that Matt's the hard nose. Oh, heck no. I'm the hard nose of our family, but I'm also the one that will cut myself for them. So yeah, it's sure. this, you know, uh, delicate dance, but parenting and discipline has to both parties come and meet. And these conversations, if somebody's listening out there and they're dating someone that has pre-existing yes. kids, you yes. need to have conversations before Amen. you say oh gosh, yes, yes on how we parent the kids. Yes. Now, that being said, if there's pre-existing family units, like uh, his and hers, and they have kids and they come together, 
That is another difficult dance. So one thing, because it's like how you discipline them before the marriage, how you discipline them after marriage and where you land in the middle. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend one I highly recommend therapy for all yes. married couples. Yes. yes, And it's not like I'm broken and I'm crazy, therefore I need therapy. No, no. it's a third-party moderator. Yep. Now, yep. I think all marriages for the first six months and doing the dance to figure out how to live together needs yes. a therapist. Oh, yeah. But so if you're good. a blended family, you need to have a third-party moderator yeah. that can deal with the psyche and the soul and shine mm. light on areas that would feel like an attack from a spouse and it sounds different and comes different. It hits different when it's yeah. somebody that's on the outside. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I would just recommend number one in that first question was get yourself some good couples and some good accountability, some good mentors. Uh, number two, get yourself a great ther that's therapist right. for sure. So discipline has been a journey for us, but one that's been fun. So good. I was on another podcast this week and I was talking about, I'm an advocate for therapy. Uh, we do marriage check-ins and, and mm -hmm. we do all of those things and hit some troubled waters this last year with family stuff. And I, I sought counsel um, because yeah. I wanted to, to balance my ideas and my thoughts and my yeah. feelings. And here's what I've noticed that I parent better. Heather can, she, she said this to me recently, so I'm, I'm testing to her, her words, but <laughs> I parent better when I'm, you know, more in health. I parent better yeah. when, uh, yes. when I, when I've talked yeah. to somebody and I've worked through and processed these things and I give, yeah. gives me more grace for the kids, helps me. And I, I am an advocate all the way. So hundred percent support what you're saying that we need, we need to talk to somebody. We need outside counsel. And, and I will say this, that you got to find the right counselor. You know, yes. find those friends that you're looking up to their relationship and you mm -hmm. can you can uh, learn and glean from them and their kids are a little bit down the road or whatever that looks like. Find that counselor that you okay. connect with and they they really speak your language and encourage you. Uh, so that might take a few people, but ultimately, if you're listening, I encourage you, find somebody, get a coach. Bill Gates said in his TED Talk, everybody needs a coach. Everybody. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I want to highlight something too that you said about parenting before you got married. And yeah. I just want to highlight that one of the top four things that are cause for divorce is parenting. It's mm. finances, it's parenting, it's in-laws. It's obviously the number one would be, you know, an affair or something like that. But one of the top four reasons why people get divorced is because they can't agree on how to parent their children, period. That doesn't include adding other people's children and other people's opinions. That's, we had these kids together and we just didn't agree. And um, so I would highly recommend free marriage advice right now is before you ever get married, sit down yeah. with a therapist and talk about get premarital counseling, see if that you might be all lovey-dovey and totally in love, but a therapist might be able to point out the areas that, hey, this is going to be a really tough point for you in your That's marriage. Right. And a lot of times it's parenting. You know, you talk about spankings, not spankings. Where do you guys land? All those things. Uh, everybody Bedtime, has, yeah. bath routines, oh, gosh. Respect. the emphasis on education. All of this stuff matters because for me, I I'm a daughter of an immigrant. Education was our ticket out of the hood. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if we didn't agree and there wasn't this heavy emphasis on education and academics, then one parent's going to be towing the load and the other one's just going to be like the Disneyland parent that's like, ah, laissez-faire, you know, C's get degrees, whatever. So I think all of those are important questions to have before having so a kid or stepping into a relationship with someone that has a kid. Yeah. Can I ask you a tough question? Yeah. How do you manage the other side of the family relationship yeah. where you've got kids going co over there, you're co-parenting, yeah. co-relating, you yeah. can talk in generalities. You don't have to talk about your family. <laughs> you can talk yeah. about what you've seen, yeah. but how do families navigate that, those relationships on the other side? Mm -hmm. 
Well, I wish I can say that it's a one size fits all. So I can give you my perspective and if people can glean, great. If not, um, I'm fully aware that every situation, every marriage and remarriage is very different. And so uh, my lens and filter is, it has been, um, it's been very difficult, very difficult. Mm. Um, In full candor and disclosure, which I mean, I think now I'm ready to talk about this, but Matt and I have been married for 12 years. We've been together for 14. And it's just now, uh, probably because the kids are older and I wanted really to protect their heart and their mind and their soul. But I just never spoke about this. It was, it was really, really, it wasn't just hard. It was demonic. Mm. Um, You know, when you have two different worldviews, so yeah. their mom's worldview was just very different. Um, and by different, like non-biblical, a-biblical, and uh, very agnostic. And so here, you know, Matt is working full-time at a church. At the time I'm working at an NGO, we both go to church every week. We're very actively involved. And then their mom is not walking with the Lord. In fact, sabotaging any of the seeds that we're trying to sow. Wow. So it was like emotional and spiritual whiplash. In fact, we had language in our house that we called it the detox. The first two days, yeah. of the first two to three days yeah. was the kids detoxing from um, that way of life. I'm, when I say detoxing, I'm not trying to paint her in a bad picture. I don't know how she parented or sure. what she said, yeah. sure. but the detox as in all that worldview and that mode of parenting and that life, it was a mm-hmm. detox when they come into our house. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was the first two days of transitions were always ugly. Mm-hmm. And then about day four or five, it was it was them and it was us and we were a unit. And then the day before they knew that they were going to go back to their mom's we got the sassy attitudes, we got the disrespect, we got all the other stuff. So it was so schizophrenic. It was so bipolar emotionally because you love the kids and you're trying to sew into them and you're having theological conversations. I remember this one time, Parker, who's very much like Matt, very analytical, very just linear in thought. I was reading him a Bible story at bedtime and it was, and Jesus raised from the grave. And I closed the bed, closed the book. And I said, isn't that awesome? And he's like, well, that's not true. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, well, that's not true because mom told me it's not true. Mm. And I said, really? I'm like, well, Parker Mason, I would never lie to you. And he said, well, you told me Santa Claus existed and he doesn't. (laughs) We just did a podcast about that. (laughs) That's one of our episodes. And I was so convicted. And so listen, listen, my, my, my son is going to be 19 years old and I'm, I'm going to make good on my word. I told him he was seven at the time. And I told him, I said, Parker Mason, I'm going to take you to Israel. I'm going to take you to Holy Land. I'm going to take you to the tomb where the resurrected Jesus was. I'm over here preaching. You guys, my parenting journey has been evangelism. Like as a pastor, it is so emotionally hard. Oh, I'm going to have a lump in my throat. To go to church every weekend and preach the gospel and see life transformation happen in the lives of so many people. And I pray every week for the salvation and a relationship with the Lord for my kids. That is so hard. But my first mission field, people say, the first mission field is your family. Yo, that's cool. (laughs) But literally, I'm trying to get my kids (laughs) saved up in these streets, you know? So I I will say, I will say, it was very hard. Um, And I'll be very honest in saying, I have zero relationship with the kid's mom right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, for the last six years. Uh, there was just, um, I don't want to go into it because I don't want to be disparaging or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. It was, it got to the point where I realized it was like, I'm not even kidding you. I don't want to sign all hyper spiritual, but I felt like the spirit of God was saying, do not engage, do not look, oh. do not touch, do not be in the same room. There was an aura. There was a vibe. There was something. And the spirit of God just said, nope, I'm done. I was released. I think for a yeah. long time, I really tried, hey, let's, let's parent together. Let's do this. Let's do that. And then it was one thing after other, after other. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm good. 
we're good. Yeah. We're, we're good. So I don't ever speak negatively about the the kid's mom in front of them. Um, I try, you know, encouraging, I will drop them off at her house. Like I'll, I'll do everything that I possibly can. I just don't engage with her. Yeah. That's one of the things my counselor told me this year and dealing with some stuff was it's, it's okay to do nothing. Mm. It's okay to, to, to not engage. It's okay. And I, I totally hear where you're at. Mm-hmm. Just to, that's just, a word for somebody out there because there is some parent, there's some step parent or blended parent that like really is trying to build a bridge. And, you know, you, you don't want to be caustic or unbiblical right. or, you know, non Jesus like, but right. you could also be wise and right. just do nothing. That's a word, Peter. You know, just keep working on you. Just keep yeah. uh, praying. Just keep, you know, praying for there's so many things that can be done in the prayer realm that, you know, yeah. I can't physically do. And, one of the things Can we that, talk about that, Peter, actually? Let's go. Because here's here's the thing. I just am I'm sensing right now that there's gonna be someone listening to this podcast and maybe they're in the throes of yep. step parenting. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember calling my mom. I've never, never spoken about this publicly. I remember calling my mom and I felt so guilty. I called her and I was like sobbing in the car and I was like, I can't stand the kids. I can't stand the kids. And I feel like such a horrible person. Mm-hmm. I feel like such a butthole. I'm sorry. Can we say butthole on the show? Sorry. <laughs> it could be worse, y'all. I mean, it really could be worse. But, and I, I, I just was sobbing. And there was such grace for my mom. Mm-hmm. She said, you know what, baby? Sometimes I didn't like you. Yeah. I was going to say, did she tell you that? <laughs> That's, a good mama. That's a good She mama. said, sometimes I couldn't stand you. Yeah. Every parent is going to have these moments where they don't like their kid. But as a step parent, there's an inordinate amount of shame and guilt because mm-hmm. you're responsible for them. And I, this is what I want to say. I, I, I want to talk about the hard and then I'm going to bring in some biblical yeah. and then I'm going to pass it over to you. But <laughs> the hard for, for me was um, there was a long season specifically with Parker. And I mean, I spoke so highly of him. He's on episode 13. I, I freaking love this kid, right? Yeah. I love him. I'll believe for him. But there was a moment where a long season, not a moment, there was a long season where I would anoint his door with oil because I really did think that there was demonic oppression going on in our household. I can't explain it. People say teen angst and like, I get that, but it was, you guys, it was so layered. And he was also going through a really hard time. He was struggling academically. Mm. He was transferring schools. He didn't have friends. There was so much going on, but what he brought into the house, like I was, I literally thought like, I can't, I can't stay in this marriage. Mm, I cannot wow. stay in this marriage. Wow. I remember waking up in the middle of the night and like feeling like an oppression in my house. I it was I if somebody out there needs to hear the real of this yes. like and and know um that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Come on. That's and right. so when we talk about this, I don't want to say that the step parents that come in to parent someone else's kids are the heroes. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we have a choice in the same way that that woman at my dad's church told me that I had a choice. I want to speak to somebody right now and let us know we have a choice. That's right. And in the Bible, when we take a look at step parents, because this is something I really have dove into. In the Old Testament, we have Sarah, mm-hmm. who is a stepmom. Yep. And Sarah was a stepmom to Ishmael. And we see mm-hmm. that her choice as a stepmom divided a family and had culture wars for hundreds, if not right. thousands of years, mm-hmm. because she could not reconcile raising someone else's child and, you know, being godly. Then we have someone like Joseph. Joseph was a step parent to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we have Sarah who caused havoc to human history and, and cultural wars. And then we have Joseph who willingly parented and loved and brought someone up that changed the world. Right. My mindset as a step parent is I have a choice. I could be a Sarah or I could be a Joseph. Mm. And we as parents, so we have step parents have a we have to know 
if I stay and I, there's no guarantee here, there's no guarantee the kids are going to serve the Lord. There's no guarantee you're going to have a great relationship. There's no guarantee the kids are going to love you. Till this day, the kids call me B. Till this day, I don't, I'm not mom in their life. Yeah. They have a mom. Yeah. They don't call me mom. I call myself mom. <laughs> yeah. That's very hard. Right. Yeah. But I'm saying, I choose you yeah. repeatedly. I choose you. When you go into this, there is no guarantee that you're going to be a better Christian. The kids are going to love you. You're going to have a family unit. You're going to look like a Hallmark movie at Christmas. There's no guarantee. It's a choice. Yep. Do I get to be Elizabeth or am I going to be Joseph? Right, right. And if we walk in with eyes wide open and know there's going to be so much suck, mm. there will be more suck than good. But those good moments, we live for the good moments and we know I'm going to do my best to raise you in the ways of the Lord. So and then you're going to decide. Yeah. So good. And that's all that I can control. That's it, man. I love talking with you, <laughs> Bianca, as a friend, because you're open, you're vulnerable. Real. These are hard conversations. And uh, I think there's probably a lot of opportunity for us to have more. Uh, we, sure. We'll talk about that later, but I just want to thank you. And, you know, if you're listening today and you need some encouragement, find it in that. Friends, thank you so much for letting me be honest and share this aspect of my journey. If you know a step-parent, consider sharing this podcast with them, but more so love them for what they do and who they are. I cannot wait for next week's episode with Grammy award-winning gospel artist, Kiara Sheard Kelly, or as her friends like to call her, Kiki. And now we're on that level. So I'm gonna Kiki with Kiki next week. Yes, we have so much fun talking about faith and fashion and guilt-free food. Friends, thank you for listening and special shout out and thanks to Meg Franks, Mari Nieves, Hannah Lovejoy, and Vanessa Carrillo. Friends, these people make the podcast happen and I'm so grateful for them. Thanks for listening in. Hope you subscribe on Access More or wherever you listen to your podcast. Mwah. Love you. Love you.